Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. Great to see everybody. Welcome everyone watching online as well. I just wish we could get Alan to sing with a little bit of passion. That's, that's the one thing I, I've been looking for. Well, we're, uh, we're concluding our sermon series over the next two weeks on the seven last sayings of Christ. We've gone through five, looking at the last two. These last three sayings all happen in the last minute or two of the, last, of the life of Jesus. So this is the very end of Jesus' life. We're going to be over in John chapter 19, verse 30. Now, I really appreciate Josh preaching last week. It's always good to know that when you're not here, uh, somebody can step in and do a great job like he does. But I did hear last week that Josh whined a little bit. I heard that he was whining that he had to preach a whole sermon on three words. All I want you to know is that what we're going to be talking about today is one Greek word, okay? Tetelestai. And uh, that one Greek word is translated, uh, it is finished. But it's just one Greek word. So Josh, stop whining, okay? That's, that's all I've got to say as we get into it. Right. So uh, let's get going. Uh, look down. This is right before Jesus would die. John chapter 19, verse 30. Uh, let's look at that together. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word here. And our prayer is that you'd help us to understand it. But more than that, help us to live uh, the truths that are there, and in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, everybody here knows how frustrating it is to start something and not finish it. Uh, I know people that have had projects in their houses uh, that have gone on for years, literally, you know, that they've never quite finished. You might have had a puzzle uh, that you started at Christmas, and somewhere around Valentine's Day, you boxed it back up and put it up, and you were like halfway through. It's frustrating when you start something and you don't finish it. And I was reading an article this week uh, about some very, uh, fairly famous construction projects that were started just recently but never finished. Now, we've all seen houses that weren't finished, kind of like this one there. You know, while they started, just lost the money, weren't able to finish it. Uh, but here are some things you might not have known that started out with great anticipation but was never finished. Here's the first one right here. <gasps> what do you think of that? Do you know what this is? This is the Cincinnati subway system. Yeah, anybody know Cincinnati have a subway system? Yeah, they, they don't. Uh, that's, why, that's why you didn't know that. But in the 1920s, Cincinnati started a subway that was going to encircle the entire city, go downtown, and, and connect everything by the subway. Then the Great Depression hit, and they stopped it because of money. Uh, they started up in the late 1930s again. Uh, then World War II hit. They stopped it again, and now you just have miles of track underground, literally going nowhere under Cincinnati. But a couple of times a year, they'll do tours of the Cincinnati subway if you want to go and see that. So I thought that, that was interesting. Uh, here's another one. Uh, in North Korea, in Pyongyang, they decided that they were going to build the most luxurious resort hotel in the entire world they just had one problem 
nobody goes to North Korea on vacation. And so uh, it didn't quite seem to work out the way that they had thought. So now it's basically a big LED screen. And here's the inside of the building uh, right there. There's literally nothing there. Uh, started in the 90s, never completed. And then uh, a, a sad one is in Taiwan, uh, the Sanchi UFO City. This city was going to be a fancy resort city. You see slides there coming literally down out of the houses uh, into the pool area and everything. It was a fancy resort. It never opened. They lost money. Not one of the pot houses were ever lived in, and they're just now all decaying, falling apart. This entire subdivision, basically, of nothing but homes that are falling apart. Uh, there in Taiwan. Sad and frustrating to start something and to not finish it. And it would seem on the surface, if you looked at Jesus dying on the cross, that Jesus started something that he wasn't able to finish. Because from the very beginning, we said, oh, this guy, he's the Messiah. He's going to take over in power and glory. Mary knew from the very beginning, this guy, you know, it's a virgin birth. I've never seen someone like this. My son is special. Now he's dying on a cross. And then you had the disciples who were with Jesus for three years. And over those three years, they've seen him heal people. They've seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen him walk on water. They knew he was the Messiah. But in the last 12 hours, they'd seen one of their best friends betray him. All of them fled because they were afraid for their lives. He's been mocked by the religious leaders, given an unjust trial, whipped to the point of death, had nails driven into his hands and feet, and now he's dying on the cross. And it seemed like he started something that he wasn't able to finish. But the truth of the matter is, the cross was the plan of God from day one. It didn't take God by surprise. It wasn't a defeat. It was the greatest victory in the world. And it's the reason that you're here today, that you have salvation, and that you're going to heaven. So what we're going to do today is really very simple. We're going to look at two things. We're going to look at what that phrase, it is finished, meant to Jesus when he was saying it on the cross and what it means to us today. We're going to look at two things it meant to Jesus and two things it means to us. So let's get started, jump right into it. When Jesus said, it is finished, what did it mean for Jesus? First of all, when Jesus said it is finished for him, it meant that he had accomplished everything that God had sent him to do. He had accomplished everything God sent him to do. Now, in the Old Testament, there are over 100 different scriptures that point to Jesus and what the Messiah was going to do. And Jesus has now fulfilled everything that he was called to do and is dying upon the cross. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says this, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So that was Jesus' purpose. Jesus did a lot of great things when he was on earth. Like I said, he spoke unbelievable words. He, he brought the dead back to life. He healed people. Uh, he walked on water, did amazing things. But none of those things were the reason he came. They were byproducts of his being here. They were byproducts of him casting out the darkness, but they weren't the reason that he was here. The reason Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost, as we're told in Luke chapter 19 right there. And on the cross that day, that is exactly what he did. He took our sins upon him, died in our place, that we might be forgiven. Now, that Greek word I talked about earlier, tele. tele 
tetlatesi. Uh, well, if I could pronounce it right, would be there. Just believe me, it's a Greek word, okay, uh, that's out there. It's actually a word that is used in business, and it means it's been paid in full. That you owed something, and now what you owed has been totally paid for. So let's say you bought a, bought a new car. Five years later, you, your, your loan's over, you pay it off, it's paid in full. Your car doesn't run any longer if you've had it for five years, but you finally have paid it off. And now the piece of junk is yours or something like that that, that you have there. Uh, I remember here uh, uh, when we, my second year here, uh, we burned the note. Uh, when we paid off the uh, original loan to build the Family Life Center and everything. Uh, we didn't pay it off. We just thought we'd burn the note because we were tired of paying. No, we, we, we really did burn it. We really did pay it off. But anyway, you know, that was a great day. You know, we, we did all this. We have now have paid it off. It is paid in full. And when Jesus was saying it is finished, that's the word that he was using, a financial term, the debt has been paid. So what debt has been paid? It's the debt for your sin. The sin that you should have been judged for, the sin that you should have paid the punishment for, Jesus paid for you. Going to the cross, dying in your place, taking your sins upon him, Jesus did everything God had sent him to do in paying for your salvation. John 17 verse 4 says this, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. That's right before Jesus uh, would, would go to the cross. He prayed this to God. I've done everything that you've sent me to do. I'm bringing you glory now. And he went to the cross. He died on the cross. It is finished. Our salvation has been paid for. Reading an uh, interesting story this week out of Surrey County, Virginia. There was a school bus driver by the name of Sandra Artis. She had 22 kids on her school bus. She was driving, driving to school when the, the light came on in the school bus. Now, if you've ever driven a school bus, you know the lights come on all the time, the emergency lights, because they're not always kept in the best shape in the world, you know, and everything. So she wasn't quite surprised at that. But then she started smelling smoke. And then the windows begin to fog up. And so she pulled over uh, to see what was going on. And when she did, the back of the bus started to catch on fire. So she got up and very calmly told everyone, this is real, it's not a joke, everybody needs to immediately get off the bus. As the kids were getting off, the bus burst into flames. Here's a picture of Sandra and the bus in flames uh, right there. She stayed on the bus, half of the bus was on fire until she got the last of the children out. She was screaming as she was getting the children out, Jesus, Jesus, save my babies. And she finally got the last of the children out, and she went out, and she got them all together, these 22 kids, and she had a prayer for them. Now, one of them, a kid in high school. Now, you don't expect high school kids on a school bus to talk this way, but one of the kids said this. You know what? She showed she loved us, and boy, we love her too because she saved our life. So here she was. What she was saying is, I got every kid out. I did what I was supposed to do. Thank you, Jesus. On the cross, that's what Jesus was saying. I've done everything God sent me to do. I paid for the salvation of the world, and now I, it is finished. I've done all that God sent me to do. So that's the first thing that Jesus meant when he died on the cross that day. He has now accomplished everything God sent him to do. A second thing, though, when Jesus said it is finished, is that what was finished was Jesus' suffering was finally over. His suffering was finally over. Now, think about anticipating something that's going to happen that may not be the best thing in the world. Let's say 
you've got a root canal tomorrow morning or something like that. And all weekend you thought, oh my goodness, Monday I've got to go in and have this root canal. And you're not real excited about it or anything. And then you finally get in there and it's finally over. And you, you know, I'm glad that's finally through it. Anticipating something that you dread like that is probably something that causes a lot of anxiety. But think about this for Jesus. From the day he began to realize who he was, and as he went into adulthood, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen on the cross. He knew that he was going to suffer, that he was going to be forsaken by God. He knew that the sins of the world would come upon him. He would take your sins and he would die. He knew all of that was coming, and he knew it his entire life, and he's waiting for it to happen. And then the day comes. Judas betrays him. The other disciples flee. He, he's given a mock trial. He's beaten. He has nails driven into his hands and feet. And now he looks back and he says, it's all been accomplished. It's finally over. I have done everything God sent me to do. Now, I don't know about you, but when I complete a task, there's great satisfaction in completing a task. Uh, I mean, I can clean the bathroom. And afterwards, I kind of step back and think, Hang on, that's a clean bathroom, isn't it? I, I did a good job of cleaning that bathroom. I can tell you that right now. I used to mow grass, uh, but all you've got to do is do a bad enough job. They don't want you to do it anymore. And so Dawn, she says, look, look, Chip, you're, just, you're making a mess. You're tearing up the lawnmower. You know, I, and how can you tear up the lawnmower? I mean, it's a riding mower, but the trees grew over the year, and you can't go through the middle of them anymore. So I go through the middle of them and rip the lawnmower deck off. And then Dawn says, you can't mow anymore. And I'm going, my prayers have been answered. You know, right there. There was great satisfaction in being able to get that. So whenever you complete a task, you have great satisfaction. Uh, anybody here ever run a mini marathon? Several of you. I'm impressed. Some of you have run a mini marathon. Well, I remember the mini marathon that I went to. My daughter-in-law ran in it. It was exhausting. We had to go to all these different places to watch her run by. And you'd think, oh my goodness, you know, by the time we got to the last one and she passed by, I thought, well, I'm glad you're finally finished because you've worn me out today. <laughs> but it was finally finished. You know, I had accomplished watching her run this entire race. And so there's a satisfaction when you accomplish something. Well, what do you think the satisfaction of Jesus was when his whole life he knew he was going to go to that cross, and now he has gone through it, he has endured it, and he knew that your salvation was now secure because of what he did. The satisfaction he must have felt when he said, it is finished. And so that's for Jesus. We look at that, and the first thing we see about Jesus is, well, when Jesus said that, he had accomplished all that God had sent him to do. His suffering was over, and he was satisfied with what he had accomplished. So if that's for Jesus, what does it is finished mean for us? What does it is finished mean for, for you and me? Well, first of all, for us, it is finished means that Jesus has removed the wall that separated us from God. He's removed the wall that separated us from God. You see, your sins were separating you from God. God is holy, just, pure, and because of that, uh, uh, sin separates from God. And so the things that we have done, the bad things that we have done, uh, are keeping us from God and have built a wall between us and God. But when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant that our sins have now been paid for. Our debt is no longer there. That debt was paid, and therefore the wall is gone and removed. In the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, there's an interesting passage of Scripture when Jesus dies. 
And the passage of Scripture talks about something that happens when Jesus dies. Look over to Mark chapter 15, verses 37 and 38. It says, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. So when Jesus died, we're told the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now, what's that talking about here? Well, in the temple, uh, you had the, the main part of the temple, and then there was a curtain that separated that temple from the rest of the temple. And this curtain separated you from the Holy of Holies. And nobody could go into the Holy of Holies except the high priest. And the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one day out of a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That's the only day the high priest could go in. And he didn't just pull back the curtain and walk in because the idea was this is where God dwelt. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And so you backed in, hoping that God didn't slay you for having the arrogance to go into the, the Holy of Holies. And so you needed a barrier, a thick barrier, that keep, kept people out from the Holy of Holies. And so you had this curtain. It wasn't like a little thin, thin drape or something. This curtain was 40 to 60 feet high and 4 inches thick. It was a barrier that kept people out. And when Jesus died... We're told the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Now, what was the symbolism of that? What did it mean? What it meant is there's no longer anything that separates you from God. Your sin no longer separates you. You now have direct, total access to God. You can now be in a relationship with God you could never be in before. You need no one to go to God and petition God for you. You can go directly to God. Nothing separates you from God now. When Jesus died on the cross, you now have total access to God. Everything is different because of what he said. And so when Jesus said, it is finished, what he was saying is what has separated us from God is gone. And for us, it means we now have total access to God. Are there any Formula One racing fans out there? Okay, couple, couple. Nobody in these sections. Come on, people. Watch some Formula Okay, one person over there. Some Formula One racing fans out there. Well, Formula One is actually a huge sport around the world, just not as much in the United States. Y'all don't like to drive to survive or things like that? Come on. Watch those things. They're good. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so the, world, the guy who's won the world championship eight out of the last nine years is Lewis Hamilton from Great Britain. When COVID hit, Formula One stopped. There weren't any races. And then Formula One came back, but there were no fans. And so you have these races with nobody there. And then last year, the first race with fans was the British Grand Prix. And Lewis Hamilton from Great Britain won the British Grand Prix. And it was the first time they'd had fans in over a year. 120,000 people were there. And the crowd was freaking out. A fellow Brit had won the Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton was excited as he could be. The fans were going crazy. He's trying to get to the fans. Here was the problem that you see. You're going to see. There was, <laughs> there was a fence that was separating him from the fans. And he couldn't get over the fence. So the fans are going berserk. He wants to get with the fans. He tries climbing the fence. The whole fence starts tearing out of the ground, and they have to pull him off of the fence. And so the fans are going crazy. He's all upset trying to get to the fans. And finally, a member of his crew comes out with some wire cutters and cuts a hole in the fence, removing the barrier. And this is what happens. He then does some crowd surfing as he goes through the crowd, and everyone is now joined back together. Well, think about what happened when Jesus died. The wall that was separating you from God 
You couldn't get to God. God could not even get to you because of your sin. That wall has now been removed by what Jesus did on the cross, and nothing is separating us from God. So that's the first thing that for us it meant is that now nothing keeps us from God. And the last thing that it is finished means for us is it means we can now have salvation and become a part of God's family. When Jesus said it is finished, it means salvation is now available to us and we can become a part of God's family. Nothing no longer separates us from God. We were saved. Now, when you think of being saved, you think of like someone drowning and someone going out and saving their life. Well, you were literally drowning in your sins. Jesus has removed your sins and now you've become a part of God's family and God's work. Look at Titus 2.14. This is a really interesting passage of Scripture. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to, pure, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now look at that for a second. Let's break it down. The first thing he says is this. Okay, you're separated from God, but you've been redeemed from your wickedness. Now what does the word redemption mean? Again, just like it with it is finished, that's a financial term. You, something was pond-like, and you're, you're paying back the price for it again. You're redeeming something. And so what was redeemed was you. You're, you've been redeemed from your sins by Jesus. The second thing it says is that because you were purified, you've then become a part of God's family. So your sins are gone, you become a God, part of God's family. And then because you've been redeemed and begun a part of God's family, you're now part of the family business. You're supposed to do what is good. Now, what was God, Jesus' family business? To seek and save the lost. So that means now that's what we were supposed to be doing. That Jesus has saved us, we've become a part of his family, and now we're a part of the family business, seeking and saving the lost. All of that happened when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. We've been brought into a new relationship with God. We now have salvation when we come to him. We become a part of God's family, and we become a part of God's family business. We had an interesting story this week about Frank and Tia Tyson. They were married this week. Tia has a, a daughter that's 12 years old, and in the middle of the ceremony, uh, unknown to anyone, including her mom, uh, uh, she interrupts the ceremony, the daughter, Ariana, and she says, everybody stop for just a second. Got a picture of them right here at the ceremony. It's Ariana in the blue. She said, everybody stop for a second. I've got something important that has to happen before we go any further. And so everybody's going, okay, uh, a little weird. Uh, what's going on here? She then took out an envelope and a pen. She looked at Frank, and she said, Frank, will you be my father? And she handed him adoption papers. Frank began to cry. He signed the adoption papers. He, hung, he hugged Ariana. They started to start the ceremony back up again, and Ariana says, wait, I've got one more thing. And then she looked at her mom and said, sorry, Mom, guess I got his last name before you did, didn't I? So what happened that day? People that weren't family were made family. And that's what happened when Jesus said it is finished. When your sins were removed and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you became a part of God's family and you became a part of the family business seeking and saving the lost. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. I hope that we would look at it and look at our lives and realize how grateful we are 
that you finished this task for us more than we could ever have done for ourselves that we're saved and given a family and going to heaven all because you finished your work that day and we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus name amen well we come to this time of invitation I guess the first thing I would say is for you to look at your life and just say okay where am I in that relationship spectrum with God right now Maybe you're here and you're a member of the church and what you need to say is, am I really a part of the family business right now? Am I really out there trying to make a difference in people's lives and do good and to help others and to bring people to Christ? Are you really a part of that family business? And now you just need to say, Lord, help me to be a part of doing good for you in this world this week. Maybe you're here and you've been coming for a long time. You've never joined this church. And this is the church family God has brought you into. This is where you feel home and you want to come and say I want to join this church I want to be a part of what this church is doing but the most important thing you could ever do is to know this when Jesus died on the cross he died for you and for your sins but if you don't accept that then it's not something that's ever happened for you and so what you need to do is come down this aisle say I want Jesus in my life I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior I want to be forgiven of my sins I want to find that family that he offers me and you come down. Maybe you just want to talk about it. I got some questions. Come down. We'll have people that would love to talk to you. But this is your time as we stand together. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.